enjoyed that, yes boy. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that. Kia ora and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of In the Sheds on Code with Kingy, where for today's show we are joined by Manawatu Turbo and Blues First Five or Tere Black. Now, in this all we find out when and where the Palmerston North native first learned to speak English, what it was like playing outside and inside All Blacks less than 18 months removed from school, and how his current super team, the Blues, differs from his previous super team, the Hurricanes. Now, I thought I'd also give you guys a heads up that there are patches when Autodia is speaking where there is a bit of background noise, and that is all on me. I had a few technical difficulties when recording this, but again, it will only be in patches. So without giving too much away, I'll let you guys jump straight into it and enjoy our yarn. Hey, Matt, how you been? Yeah, good, bro. Good, just um, just cruising. Obviously, it's just lockdown, so yeah, bro, just um, parked up at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the training been like? Yeah, not too bad, bro. We had uh, we got um, some programs from our train over the last couple of weeks, so most of us have been getting into that, so... Yeah, just trying to keep the body ticking over. And how? Because I've asked a few of the other boys that I've I've done this with, like how weird it is for you guys, because you guys are creatures of habit. Yeah. And you're so used to just, you know getting up, smashing the gym, and then catching up with the boys. Like, is it something that you've come to miss? Yeah, bro, definitely. Yeah, it's um, has been pretty hard at times, especially because we don't know what's going on. That's sort of the the hardest bit is not knowing um when we're gonna be training together or play again. So. It's hard to sort of get up and go for a train when there's not much there to know, I guess. But, yeah, just try to keep at it, really. Uh, so, I guess what we'll start off with, bro, is so how did Autodia start playing rugby and where did he grow up? Um, yeah, so I grew up in Palmerston North. Originally, I'm from a little valley in the Eastern Bay of Plenty called Ratuki and started playing rugby. Just, uh, I've got two older brothers and older sisters, so I'm the youngest. And yeah, sort of just tagged along with them as a kid and then, yeah, sort of fell in love with the game then. And because you ended up at Hatapolda, right? Yep, yep. And so was that something that your family valued? Obviously, you go into an all-boys boarding school for Māori or was it a decision that you made? It was sort of a bit of both, but of both. My, my two older brothers went there, so I was sort of, you know, when, when they were at school, I was always trying to go out there, watch them play or, or whatever they were doing. And then, yeah, it was sort of something I wanted to do, and I was sort of following my older brothers because they both went there. Yeah, so it's not, it's not a big rugby school or anything. It's more, yeah, it's a multi boys boarding school. So, yeah, it's a bit different to some schools, but I really enjoyed it, bro. So, did you speak to you at home, and was it your first language before you went to Hatapalda, or was it something that you picked up at school? Uh, no, nah, that was my, that's my first language. My mum my and dad were pretty hard, hard out with us kids around Māori, especially my dad. And then we, I went to the Kohanga Reo, which was like kindy for Māori, Māori kids. And then I went to um, like Kura Kaupapa, which was primary and intermediate right through. So pretty much all my years of schooling, right through from kindy all the way through to secondary school were, were Māori schools. So, yeah. And so being from Rotoki as well, with the, the I mean, because I know the, the history that Tuhoi has with, you know, just the Māori language itself. So is it something that they are involved in as well? Like, obviously, being from 
that part of the country, like your the emphasis of Tia Māori? Yeah, bro, definitely. It's pretty much. Um, so my my dad is a lecturer for Māori, so he was working at Massey and Palmy. So that's that's sort of why we moved down there. And then now he's working at uh, Awanuyarangi, which is the the like Polytech Uni in Fakatane. So and he's yeah, pretty much been teaching Māori his whole life. And my older brother and, and sister, we all sort of you know born born and bred into it. But our whole family's um, back in Ruatoki now, so um, mum and dad are back living in Whakatane. Um, and yeah, pretty much it's just everything we do. Um, when we were kids, all our cousins, like all of us, we just speak Māori, we still do, like to this day. So that's pretty much it, been with us our whole life. So did, when did you first start speaking English, bro? Like having, obviously, being your mother tongue at home and going all through yeah. Kura but like, did you get to Hatapolda and know how to speak English or what? Yeah, so we had, um at my um, intermediate school, where I think it was year seven and eight, they start teaching you English. So we had like um, an English teacher, um, and I think we'd have like maybe an hour a day, um, year seven and eight, and you learn English. So that was sort of, the window where we could learn how to speak English and write English so yeah bro it was sort of like year seven and eight really is where I really got into it or sort of started learning it because at home um, you know we, we all were just always speak Māori at home so um, the only place where we could really speak English was during those classes at, at inter- intermediate so yeah it was it was hard man like it, it still sort of is sometimes for me like I'm got pretty fresh English but um, every now and then I sort of like I don't really know too much big words and things like that but um, like it was hard at the start but it's like now I'm still learning as I go so yeah 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 it was it's, it's a funny thing because when I talk to my parents about that sort of stuff and there's still sort of pockets of Aotearoa that don't really have any interaction with Pākehā so there's no real need for them to learn English but then even for someone like you, who's obviously got to where he's at in rugby circles and you talk about you know, your own troubles with English now, that even like with my parents sort of wanting us to speak Māori with their own journeys, they talk about like you can't actually become fluent in a language unless you're fully immersed in it. And so it's quite interesting for you that yeah, you've obviously spent you know the pretty much your whole life around Te Ao Māori and only speaking to your and then you know like it just so happens that you get to intermediate school and it's only an hour or two a day that you're learning English yeah, bro. rather than being the other way around yeah that's definitely true too I reckon like it's because I've seen like kids that are like say for, for me growing up I was always around it so it was always easy for me um, for some kids they'll go speak Māori at school but then at home or like just in general their general life they're speaking English and you can see the difference between know how they speak so um, yeah I guess I was just lucky lucky bro to just be um, fully sort of I guess introduced to that world um, straight away and it's a still a big big part in my life yeah sure we'll get back to the footy side of things bro so you how did things sort of eventuate to where they are for you like was it just a matter of you having so much spare time on your hands at the boarding school that you'd just be out kicking goals or what um to be honest, not really. Like, I, I wasn't really a big um, goal kicker when I was young. I didn't really fully, I didn't start um, goal kicking until I was about year 13, year 12. I did I did kicking for the school, but like, I was, 
I was only the kicker because no one else wanted a kick, so <laughs> that was sort of like why I did the kicking as a kid, but um, I never really took it serious until I was a bit older, but yeah, we only have like about, when I was there, there was about 150 students, just under 150, um, and there was only four rugby teams, so um, that's pretty much all we did, we either, you know, play rugby or touch, it was, it's a pretty, it used to be a bit of, bit of a touch school back in the day, so we're either playing touch or rugby after school and in the weekends. So, yeah, like I said, bro, it's not really um, known for it. Rugby is probably more known for, like, singing and, and that sort of stuff, manukōrero and that. But, yeah, bro, it's sort of just probably over the last couple of years, really, it's sort of gone a bit more serious. Mm-hmm. And while I was at school, because you were a little bit older than me, did you, I wasn't sure if I read this right, did you end up going to tutor or not? Yeah, so I went to tutor my last year of school. So when I was year thirteen, I spent a year, a year there, in Palmy. So yeah, it was sort of something that I I, I went there for something different, and there was a bit more of a pathway for rugby, and that's sort of where I realised that maybe I could you know, give this thing a crack and, and see where it could take me. What was schooling like there? Um, bro, it was, it, was a, it was a lot different to what I was used to at um, Hatapora because it was a, um, I forgot what the word was called, but at school it was, so you, you sort of teach yourself and then there's a teacher, like you don't, you don't really have um, like classes, it's more just like, so you have your own desk and then, you know, pen, paper, laptop and then you do your work through, as a correspondence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it was correspondence, bro. So you, we did a lot of our work like individually. And they would have class sessions, you know, like every now and then with the teacher just to touch base with things. So, yeah, it was way different to what I was used to at Pauro because we had, you know, like five periods a day, lunchtime, interval, those sort of things. But there it was, it was a bit different. So it was sort of like self-learning, things like that. And then once you sort of towards the end, then you, then you show the teacher. I'm not sure yeah. what it's like now, but it, but it was like that, yeah, when I was there. And it was, it was yeah, way different to what I was used to, bro. True. And so... Did you move back home, or was could you stay on campus? Um, no, I, I moved home. So I think that was that was my parents last year at Palmy. Then they moved back home um, once I finished schooling. But um, no, I just stayed at home with mum and dad, and um, you know it was all good. And then you kick on and you go and play club rugby straight out of school. Yeah. And uh, you made a bit of a name for yourself with the amount of points you scored. As like a 17 or 18 year old, so what sort of culminated into that sort of performance? Were you working hard over the previous summer or? Yeah, I guess it was a bit of that. When I was at school, I, I didn't really take rugby seriously. I sort of, I just played it because I loved it and it was fun. And then I just, yeah, once I left school, because I went into uh, the Manotu Academy, and then from there I sort of learned, you know, what sort of pathway it can give you. And, what opportunities there are out there so I thought oh, I might as well give it a crack and then I went to so I, I played my junior club at a club called Kiatoa in Palmy but then when I when I went back uh, when I left secondary school I went to a different club and luckily it was, it was a pretty strong club back then and it's still sort of college old boys so I went into a team that was pretty, going pretty good over the last few years and then yeah I was sort of lucky man I just went into a good club and a good bunch of boys and yeah, they really looked after me coming through as a, as a young fella. And yeah, well, it was different to schoolboy rugby, but it was fun at the same time. You know, club rugby is obviously a bit more different than professional rugby, but I had a lot of fun, man. It was, it was cool. Yeah. 
had you sort of been keeping in contact with the Manawatu coaches over that year before you got your call up, or did it sort of come out of the blue? No, it sort of it sort of came out of the out of the blue, bro. I was just playing club and just doing like the academy sessions, and then that stuff sort of stopped. And then we had like I sort of just kept playing club, and then I think we had like a under twenties tournament, which was like it was a bit different back then. It was I would play like the Hurricanes region, mm-hmm. like Wellington, Hawks Bay, and all those teams. And our team went alright, and then yeah, so I got like I got invited to a twenties trial like real late. Uh, there's on a twenties trial, and then I, I I didn't play. I just sat on the bench because I needed numbers, and then sort of from there I realised you know there's a lot of opportunities, and then that one or two sort of took me on board after that, and then I did like a preseason with them, and then I sort of had to play club rugby again, and then they yeah they sort of picked me up from there through through the club system. That was sort of my pathway to playing for one or two, was through yeah. club, yeah. So then you roll on into the the Canes the next year. So were you a part of the Canes preseason for the summer building into 2015? Yeah, that was, that was my first first um, year there. So I was on I was on a wider training group member there. So you pretty much do your full time, but you're, um, you're on the they call it, I think it's the draft draft now the draft contracts. And that was my first year, year, so like the end of 2014, November, December, going through to 15 was my first, first year down at Wally's. What was that experience like being a kid from Manawatu or, you know, from Rotoki down in the yeah. big city? Bro, it was crazy, man. Like, I remember when I got the call, I think it was sort of like there was about two rounds left in the Mitre 10. And um, I knew one of, the co- oh, one of the coaches, we sort of had a like, little relationship, um, Clark Laidor, who... who he kept in contact with me for over the, the year, sort of, and he just called me out of nowhere and said that they were looking at me, and I was like, oh, yeah, sweet as. This was sort of like two weeks before the end of my 10. And then I think Chris Boyd like rang me just before the semi of that year, and then he said, oh, well, we want you to come down to Wellington, and that, and I was just buzzing for it. And then I, um, <laughs> I was like, far out, unreal. And then when I got to Wellington, because I've, I've never, like, lived in a city before, so it was way different for me. Like, they put me in this apartment, bro, in the middle of the city, and I only lasted, like, two days because I didn't like it. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I, mo- I ended up moving out to um, Lower Hutt with um, some family friends, bro. And it was it was awesome for me, eh, for my first year down there. So, yeah, it was, it was different. It was way different, man, to what I'm used to, but it was good times. And bro, because that's, that's a crazy transition, considering, yeah. like you said, your your mindset with rugby, having left school, and then you're in the Canes, you know, within the space of 12 months, so, yeah. like, did it all sort of sort of hit you at once, or are you a pretty chill back guy with that sort of stuff, and sort of take it um, as it comes? No, nah, bro, it, it hit me pretty quickly, like, I sort of, it was sort of that Mitre 10 Cup year, where sort of just everything took off, and in 2014, I was just, because initially, I think I was... I wasn't playing a lot of footy, and then I played that Mighty 10 Cup, and then I ended up playing a lot more than what I thought. And then, yeah, I, I didn't think anything, before, you know, at the start of that year that I'll get a Super Rugby contract or be playing Super Rugby. I just thought, I'm just stoked to be playing you know, for the Turbos, and then even if I get a couple of games, then, yep, sweet. And then it sort of skyrocketed pretty quickly. Then I was, yeah, moving down to Wellington by the end of that year, so... Yeah, it was happened pretty quickly, bro, and I was really, definitely a bit of a buzz, eh? So, you're in Wellington, you end up moving out to Lower Hutt to make it a bit more 
sort of homely, I guess, yeah, in the big yeah. city. And then you go on to make your debut against the Rebels, bro. So mm. run us through, like, when you got named that week of training. Like, did you sleep on the Friday night beforehand, you know? Take yeah. us back. Yeah, bro, I can remember it because it was sort of like, you know how the All Blacks sort of get their rest weeks? So they get like their, you know, two match stand downs where they, they rest. And then, because Bodie, Bodie was there as well. And well, Chris Boyd sort of told me what weeks he was taking. So I, he said, um, these weeks you'll most likely play. Because it was, it was only me and him. But James Marshall was, was there as well. So he would cover. So I didn't play any games until that one, but until that week. And um, yeah, bro, it was, it was sort of something that I knew it was coming because they sort of already told me earlier. But yeah, it was just a buzz, bro, because we had, that year, man, we had a stacked team. Like, it was, the back line was freakish. It was like TJ, Bodie, um, Conrad, and Ma'a were the midfielders. Nehe, Julian, Corey Jane, you know, like, it was, you know, and I was just like a little Māori boy just jumping in there and having a jam with these guns, bro. And I was like, this is cool, man. This is unreal. And yeah, I think we ended up, we ended up just winning, bro. And I only got like two minutes. I came on like the last two minutes, and like my, my mates and my family and my partner, they all came down for the game. And then um, yeah, it was crack up, bro, because we used to do our fitness, our fitness running. Usually you do it after the game if you don't play enough minutes, but we used to do it the day after. So like I had to go, go home, sleep, and get up and go do my training the next day, but. So I couldn't really celebrate, bro. It was ratchet. <laughs> so everyone went home, and then they all got on it. And then I was like, oh, I can't really because I got I got to go train in the morning, do my extra running because I don't play much minutes. So, but it was good, bro. It was good. It was like good memory. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, bro. That's a great story. And I remember at the time as well, bro, because I'm a Canes guy through and through. Yeah. That there was the sort of dilemma where you were wanted for the New Zealand twenties. But Chris yeah. Boyd was wanting to hang on to you because I think Bodie had a nickel and he wasn't sure yeah. where that was going. And so he needed, you know, yeah. a 10 on the bench or a 10 to start. So yeah. what was that sort of thing like? And where was your heart at the time? Bro, honestly, it was like, it was a weird situation to be in, bro. It was weird because we played in this um, Oceania tournament with 20s. And I played one game. I think we played three. I played one game. Bro, and I was only there for like four days. And then that weekend, Bodie got injured. So I, they flew me back straight after that game that I played in Aussie and then chucked me straight in. Um, I think we played the Blues. And then, and because like, I was in camp with the 20s for about two weeks before that, so I was like right into that. And then all of a sudden like, I got flown back and then we played like the Blues, Crusaders, like the big gun teams straight after, straight when I got back. So, and they were still like up in the air because we went to the, the boys went to the World Cup or the 20s, like, I was playing a game in Auckland, and they flew out that day to the World Cup, so I was, and then I don't know whether I was going with them straight after the game, or, so it was sort of like a day by day, like, oh, yeah, you could go this day, but if he doesn't recover, then you'll have to stay, like, two days longer, like, it was weird, bro, so I was sort of, like, coming in every day to training with the Blues, oh, with the Hurricane, sorry, and it was, um, like, a, a different story for me and I was like, like I don't I don't know what's going on and then we ended up playing the Crusaders and Nelson and I played that one and then Bodie had he had to get through like a fitness test on the Monday or something so 
So I had to go back to Wellington Bay and wait for him to get through that to fly out to Italy. So I was like, and then I think I flew out on like a Wednesday or something. Bro, I was out of it. <laughs> and like at the time, bro, because obviously like it's a big deal to be tied in with the Canes, but was there a part of you that was like, come on, Chris, like, I want to go to Italy, bro, like, bro, hard, do the bro yeah. a favour or... Bro, and like all my, you know, like my, my mates that I grew up with playing alongside and stuff like that, you know, that's my age. And I, you know, got got close with them, but then at the same time, like I'm playing with all these fellas, you know, against the Crusaders and all these teams. I was like stuck in between two. I don't really know what to do. So I was like, so I just left it in their hands, bro. And then, um, yeah, eventually I got there. I think it was might have been the second or the third pool game. And then I stayed over there for the whole time. But yeah, bro, it was it was cracked up. Eh? Yeah. Did you fly business class over there? Yeah. yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. That was that was my first time, and um, I flew over with one of the the staff from NZIU, so he was going over at the same time, and um, we both flew business, and it was Emirates, bro, Emirates Airlines. So it was like you know the top stuff, and it was it was like my first time in like lounges and that too, you know, like the lounges at airports and that. So I was just <laughs> buzzing out, bro. And I don't, I don't know what to do, and he was sort of showing me like you know, what to do at airports and what to look for when you're connecting flights and. Uh-huh. once you sit down in the seat like how to work the machines and that so yeah bro it was buzzy man I was I was just buzzing up but then I think they only fly you business if you're like a late late cover like injury cover or something but then on the way back we all flew economy so the team flew economy so now I was like man business business is too good <laughs> <laughs> yeah bro it was crack up sure yeah what's in that Italy's a, a buzzy country, bro, because they've got their own professional setup and mm. it's sort of a, I guess, a country on the rise. What was rugby like at the time for you going over there, having only really experienced it in Oceania? Mm. Yeah, it was it was different, bro, because obviously it's like a soccer, like big soccer country, so they didn't really know a lot about rugby. But where we where we played, I think it was northern Italy. That's sort of like the main part of um, Italy where rugby's played. So that part of um, the country was pretty familiar to the game, but um, where, where we stayed was quite a while away from it, and they, they knew nothing about rugby, so um, yeah, I'd say now it'll be a bit different, but um, yeah, and when we went over there for 20s, it, was, it, was, it wasn't was really, you know, their main sort of, a main yeah, bunch for yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you win that, you spend the season with the Canes, you sort of fall one step short with the whole super stuff, but then off the back of that, bro, you end up playing for the Māori All Blacks that year. Mm. And um, I know, you know, the All Blacks is the pinnacle, but I guess for someone like you with your background, how special was that moment and getting that call? Yeah, man, it was um, it's probably one of one of my highlights making that team. Definitely, it was because I get, like you said, bro, for being a young Māori boy, the Māori All Blacks are sort of our All Blacks, really. And we, you know, we'd always watch them play back in the day, and then when I got the call. From when I got named in the team, it was just like it was more just for the family, bro. Really, like for the people back home and my family, just to see how happy they were because they're just they're staunch Māori rugby supporters. So it was a big thrill, bro, for not only me but for the community back home and, and for the family. So yeah, bro, it was awesome. Eh? You've been involved in quite a few different professional setups. How does the or is anything special about the Māori All Blacks sort of environment? I think it's yeah, like there's obviously those main ones, and just how 
how easy we we connect as a team because we all we all the same and we all come from the same background. But I think um, the style of play as well with Maori rugby, we like to throw the ball around a bit of razzle dazzle. So it's always like exciting to we go into meetings and all, you know we know what our game plan is going to be. It's going to be have a crack from anywhere. You know if you see the space, then you can go for it. But every now and then we've got to be smart about it. So you're you're always around some pretty pretty good footballers so yeah but, but obviously you know the environment and that sort of thing it, it's a lot different to all the teams that I've been a part of with, with a lot of number of reasons but I really also really enjoy this, the style of play we like to we like to um, you know to put out there in the week in, in, the, in the games yeah. I mean do you remember much from that game against Fiji? Right yeah I remember it vividly because I was <laughs> I was buzzing out bro the whole week and we we had a pretty good side, and we played a pretty good Fijian side, and it was you know first time playing over there, going over to Fiji, and we we just won it in the end, bro. We um we sort of came back, we were down by a couple of tries with like twenty fifteen to go, and then we came back and we we scored at the end and got the kick to to sort of put us out with like a minute and a half to go. So it was tough, bro. Those the Fijians they're tough, they're a good good outfit, bro. They they like to throw the ball around as well and. Their, their crowd gets right into it as well, so it was, it was a cool game to be a part of. I think I had I had a look before I jumped on this, but I knew it, like the the Iwani brothers, mm. the Mackenzies were in there. This is all sort of before they yeah, bro. To before where they hit they are now. Like looking back yeah. at that team, it's just like holy like yeah, bro. Yeah, and we were, and there was a couple of us that were young, like there was myself, Rico, I think Sean Wanu, Damien. Like, we were all sort of like the same age. Well, Rico's obviously a bit younger, Akira. And then there were guys, you know, like Charlie Natai, Elliot Dixon, Ash Dixon, you know, some fellas that have been around a while. So um, it, was, it was a cool, like, sort of environment to go into for my first first Māori campaign. It was me, bro. It was a good time to be Yeah, sure. And you spent three years as an understudy to put in Barrett. Yeah. How much of an influence has he had on your career and... What did you take from your time training with him? Yeah, I've, I've had this question a few times, um, Brian, and it's it's a t- it's a it's a tough question to answer because there's so many things that he's done. But I was I get real lucky because when I was at the at the Canes and I was a young fellow, and I, a lot of people get to see what he does on the field, like in the games. But he he'd sit next to me, he'd sit next to me in the locker room when I was down there my first couple of years. And I got to see like what he does, you know, all the time, like every day throughout the day and in their trainings and around the boys and just the way he carries himself and the professionalism in his game. You can see why he's the best because the way he prepares. So yeah, that, those are the sort of big things that I took away from being with him at, at the Canes was the way he sort of prepared during the week to set himself up for the game. Or what he he didn't just turn up and and play and do what he does. He he trains those things and he can see those things before he actually plays. So yeah, bro, he's a he's an awesome footballer, but he's a real nice guy as well. He's a he's a real good fella. And because I was having this conversation with my old man the other day, bro, is that um, I think we both read this article about how Bowden's supposedly like the the fifth fastest guy in the All Blacks in terms of like their timings that they do for all the testing. Yeah. But like when he gets on the field, and I bet you've seen it at practice, he's like one of those guys. It's like, how is he not the fastest guy? It's almost like he gets yeah. faster on the field, bro. Like, it's so weird. 
ever. And he's he's like deceptively quick and he's fit, man. He can run all day. <laughs> or all those barons, bro. Oh, him and Geordie, they're super fit, bro. They'll just keep going all day too. So when players are tired, they, they don't get tired. They just keep going. And he's and he's fast as that. And he's quick. He's a spectacular individual, that guy. Um, and so, like I said, you're with the Blues now, but obviously leading into 2018, you had the objective of probably cementing a starting spot for a Super franchise, and I'm guessing that's what sort of went into your Blues decision? Yeah, bro, it was definitely definitely a part of my decision, and it was something that I wanted to do just to challenge myself and see where I'm at, I guess, and um, yeah, I thought I'd make the move, move north to the big smoke. And you pick up the ACL injury during the 2017 Cup season, which sort of derailed the Super season. Uh, what was meant to be your first Super season with the Blues. Was that your first sort of big injury? And sort of talk us through the rehab process and whether or not it took a mental toll on you during that time. Yeah, it was definitely my biggest injury that I've had. I've had a few niggles, but that's definitely the, the toughest one I've been through. And yeah, I guess it was, um, it was just the timing of it was was the bit where I was most disappointed, you know, the thing that I found the hardest was I was just about to go up to Auckland and bro, I think it was the last, I know it was the second to last Mighty 10 Cup game. So, you know, I had one more game to get through and then I can start preparing for the Blues. So, yeah, bro, and it just happened, it was just before halftime, the eruption by ACL and that, that sent me back for ages, bro. It took me ages to come back from it. It's usually like a six to nine month injury but it took me about 11 11 to 10 months to be back playing um and it doesn't help bro. i've got chicken legs so it took me it took me even longer <laughs> but yeah it was a it was a tough one to get through bro i mean like you, you talk about the, the recovery process and having it being extended is it because it's different for someone like maybe like me or you know your average joe who you know is just rocking up to work and this is an inconvenience but yeah. I guess for you that it, it literally impacts your ability to make money or your livelihood. So, yeah. Like, yeah, right, what, yeah. what sort of things? Like, did, did, I mean, are you pretty good with that stuff? Like, did you not let it keep you down? Do you have a good support system around you? Bro, like I had my days, you know. Like, oh, when when it first happened, bro, I was down in the dumps because I was I was just gutted, bro, that because I knew that it would send me out for probably, you know, definitely the, the Super Rugby season, and it was a, a new club that I was going to. I don't really know too many people. I don't really know the system and things like that. So I was sort of going up there on my own and training on my own, you know, things like that. So the first part, it's the toughest, bro, because you can't really, you can't really do anything. But then once you sort of turn that corner, then things get a little bit easier. But it's a, it's a long process. The old ACL, it's there's a lot of boxes that you need to tick before you actually move on to the next thing and then the next thing after that. So. Yeah, bro, it's it's tough times, but you know, I sort of look back at it now and sort of changed me a bit as as a person, and it's you know made me appreciate things a lot more now. But yeah, bro, the the process of getting back to just running, and then you know whatever happens after that is 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 the toughest bit because you can easily set yourself back uh, by sort of not hitting certain targets for for the rehab. So. Yeah, the rehab, it's tough, bro. The, the first bit's the hardest, I reckon. The first couple of months. 
Yeah, it's amazing like how much you appreciate your legs once they sort of can't do what they're normally meant to do. Yeah, tough legs. So you recover from that and you you roll into the Blues uh, in 2019 and you're immersed in all of that and you spend a season with them. Mm. Uh, and it's fair to say that you guys probably didn't do as well as you wanted to and faces well, the Blues have faced criticism pretty much over the past decade. And I know that, you know, everyone trains hard and everyone puts in the hard yards during the preseason. But how do the clubs differ? Like, well, how did it differ from the Hurricanes and why didn't things click for you? Do you... Um, yeah, a, that's a good question. It was sort of hard for me because of, the, yeah, like, my first year I didn't play, so I, I didn't really know what was it like on the field. But, yeah, I think, I think I was, for me, I look at it the way, like, like I was lucky when I first came into Super Rugby, I came into a club. That was sort of dominating, you know, like we, three years um, in Wellington, we were finalists for two years, then a semi-finalist. So I was sort of like used to, you know, that sort of environment. And the, the, the Blues was no different in terms of the boys and how things ran throughout the weeks and stuff like that. But it's just, just you know, moments on the field that most teams take um, and, you know, make teams play. We sort of didn't really nailed those moments last year and you know, I, I can't speak for years before that because I don't play so but last year we, we let a few moments go and we probably should have won games that we lost just through lack of you know, our ability to finish but it's a big part of our I guess our work on moving forward but um, yeah it's definitely things like that I'll yeah like I said I was sort of lucky at the start to come through through um, you know a pretty easy environment and things are going well and then in Auckland obviously things were a bit different but the boys and the environment's awesome but it's it's a good culture and it's a good management good good staff good front office but yeah it was just the the results on the field weren't quite happening for us so yeah it's, it was tough man it was tough to sort of take it on the chin especially as a player yeah yeah well it's like anything like it all sort of compounds for good and for worse, if you're winning, you know, the good times keep on rolling and same with the bad times. So, And it looked like you guys were going to have similar problems at the start of the season, um, yeah. off the back of that first round loss to the Chief. You know, you always have these moments where you look the goods and then there's sort of these um, momentary lapses which end up biting you guys in the backside. But you guys flipped a switch when you went to South Africa. Yeah. And can you, without giving too much away, was there like a... A moment. I know the Stormers game was the big game, but like, what changed like from 2019 to 2020? Yeah, it was. It's hard to say. Like, it's um, a lot of the things. It's not too much different. I think you know, just having a, an extra extra year with one another and getting to know players more personally and how they like things on and off the field. So you know, you start creating that relationship with the boys, and then once you get out on the field, you know, you just want to play for one another and not not let each other down so yeah we, we were we came off some pretty tough losses um early on against the chiefs and then we played the crusaders before we left to africa and the boys were hurting bro after that game it was because i i just joined the team when we talked and then we did the review over there and it was a tough review you know the boys were hurting and really gutted about their performance and we sort of just promised each other we know we, we won't Ever do that again through a lack of effort, make sure we turn up and you know, play hard and 
fight for everything, and then we sort of came away with that with a gutsy win against the Bulls, and it sort of sparked a bit of confidence. You know, it's, Loftus is a tough place to play. It's never easy to go to Africa and get a win. So we thought, yeah, we got that one. Why can't why can't we get this other one? And it was up against you know, the Stormers, who were dominating the comp at the time. And then, yeah, but it was just one of those days where you know everything sort of clicked for us, and uh, we went out there with a game plan that, that we were all really clear of. And then, yeah, we just had fun, and it was a beautiful day. Yeah, and then we came back, came back after that tour and sort of carried that momentum over. But I think for us, bro, we're just starting to realise how you know good we can be, and then we just go out there and have fun. Sweet footy rolls. Um, and then getting back to obviously the momentum that you guys had before the season came to a halt. But how frustrating was it having you know like you guys sort of just hit this purple patch and you guys are on the up and then it, you know, it gets stopped yeah. and it's out of your control. Oh, bro, like, did you, do, you, yeah. do you have any frustrations with that personally? Yes, yeah, bro, sort of. Like, it was, because we were on a such a good roll and we were starting to build some momentum, you know, we felt like, you know, there's some pretty good times ahead for us. And it sort of just, because we played the Lions at home, and we were, because we were on the road for ages, so we were happy to be home, and we finally got a home game. And that's probably, that could potentially be our last one, so... Yeah, it was it was tough tough at the time, bro. Like, cause we 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 didn't really know what was going on for a while. So we we played the lines, and then I think it was the next day we had a club meeting, like an urgent club meeting at the club, and then they sort of told us what's gonna happen, and then we were like, oh, you know, ratchet, cause we were meant to play the Brumbies the following week, and it was that double hitter week mm-hmm. against uh, oh, so it was the Warriors and the Raiders were playing, and we were, us and the Brumbies at Eden Park. And that would have been an awesome occasion, bro. But then that got got cut. And then the following week, we were meant to have a buy, so we were really looking forward to that buy because we up we had played. I think it was about seven or eight games on the trot, so we were looking forward to a week off. But yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of a bummer for us. But yeah, that stuff's out of our control. We just we were just happy with the way you know, we played before that, and then we could take take the positives out of that. And, once we get back, we can get back into it. Yeah, for sure. I think that covers most of what you've done on the field in terms of from a playing perspective, bro. But in terms of your own prep, what does your game day routine look like? Ah, uh, game time, game day routine, bro. I'm pretty chill day. I'm um, if it's a night game, I usually have a big breakfast, and I don't mind going out like for coffee. Like I don't mind going out out of the house if it's a if it's a night game. And yeah, that's pretty much it, bro. I just chill out till we have to meet up, really, with uh, with around the timings and then I just time my stuff. I I usually pack my bag the night before. That's that's about it. But the day, I just I just chill out, bro. I don't really do much. But if it's a day game, then it's a bit different for me. Sort of have a light breakfast and have a bigger meal closer to the game. And then yeah, if I'm at if it's at motels, then. Yeah, bro, not much. I just go out for a walk in the morning and chill out for the rest of the day and just get the body ready, really. Do you have any superstitions? Um, no, nah, bro. No, nah, not really. I I had a couple, like, when I first started playing, like, when I was at one or two, but no, nah, not, not anymore. I sort of just, oh, it's just music, bro. I just listen to music. But uh, I have this thing, bro, when I walk into the stadium, I don't like listening to music. 
like as, as we were walking from like the bus or your car to the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So I usually just take my headphones off and just walk through, like just, and then once I get into the change room, then that's when I start sort of switching in. But yeah, no, I'm pretty cruisy. And what does Autity like to get up to on his day off? Day off, usually play a bit of golf. I haven't been playing a lot lately, but we sort of had a little crew going at the Blues before this lockdown happened. And we were all starting to get into it, so we got into that. And um, yeah, bro, not much. I just do some things around the house or something, and try to get a bit of recovery in at some stage. But yeah, not a lot, bro. Make, try and make the most of my days off. Sweet, bro. That wraps it up. But what I like to do with all of my guests is that I have this uh, segment called Ten in the Bin. So I've just yep. got ten questions for you, bro, and you've got to answer them as best you possibly can. Sweet. So, what is your go-to vessel at the pre-drinks on a night out? Oh, Corona. Who is the biggest coach's pet you've been around? <laughs> uh, Jamie Booth. Is there a reason why? Or is there a particular coach? Uh, he's just always in the coach's office, bro. And my too. Always. Alright, uh, what's your must-do on a day off? Uh, massage. Uh, what is your least favourite fitness block? Oh, bro, any testing, eh? Like Bronco or Yo-Yo, any testing. <laughs> yeah, fair to say I'm the same, bro. Uh, favourite cheat meal? Uh, oh, Macca's. What's the order? Uh, Macca Tech, bro. And <laughs> a uh, chocolate sundae. What is your most regretful baller purchase, bro? So that's, what have you gone out, spent a whole lot of money on, and then afterwards been like, oh, bro, I did not need to buy that? Oh, uh, bro, I bought the scooter once, eh? Like a moped. Bro, and I only drove it like twice. So that was a bit of a, bit of a fail. So probably the scooter I bought. Uh, guilty music pleasure. Uh, reggae. Music reggae. Did you go to one love this year? Nah, we were we were in tour, bro. So we oh no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Because the super season was right. way too early. Oh, we were guarded as two man, but I went. I think it was oh the year I got injured, I went because oh yeah, obviously I wasn't playing, so I went uh, yeah, that year. But the one this year looked mean. Yeah. What's your go-to dance move? Go-to dance move. I don't know. I'm not really a big dancer, eh? But I don't know. Maybe a the duggy or something. <laughs> <laughs> that doggy though. Alright, uh, now this one's a bit tough, and you, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you let it slide if you don't want to burn any bridges, but who's the biggest grub you've played with and against? Geordie Barrett. Easy. <laughs> uh, and you just got to finish the sentence for me, bro. Yeah. Saturdays are for the... Boys. Yes. Have to. My man, well, uh, like I said, bro, I'm very thankful that you've taken some time out to have a quarter draw with me. Yeah. Uh, I wish you all the best um, in this weird time that we're in. Uh, hopefully we get some footy back on the field soon so we can see what you guys, um, you know, do what you love. Cheers, brother. Thanks for having me, bro. Appreciate it. No worries, man. Okay. Stay safe, bro. Cheers, bro.